Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're re- enacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh yeah, I'm telling you, Russell's in the right place because what he's telling us in addiction is that his need for intensity and frequency continues to go up. And when that's the case, it is so important to get yourself to a specialist who can help. And today, we're going to be talking about a variety of specialists. You know, I've talked about certified sexual addiction therapists, and they are the people that have the most training in helping you with addiction. And then I've talked about the importance for you to be seen by someone who's partner-sensitive if you have a partner so that you know how to do that work, too. It's not all about you. It's about you, your addiction, and the relational recovery that needs to happen. And just recently, I completed two-thirds of a certification course whereby I have learned how mindfulness can really help the reactivity of triggers both for an addict and for a partner. So in just a few minutes, I'm going to be talking to our expert, our mindfulness expert, and she's going to be talking about how mindfulness can really assist um, men and women in their struggle for more serenity and balance and actually good self-esteem. But for right now, I have wanted to talk about a certification that I created called IRCAM, the Early Recovery Couples Empathy Model for Helping Couples to Heal. And I've been so excited about this certification. I've been training um, 
gosh, lots of professionals, coaches, and clinicians as to how to use the Help Her Heal empathy model and make it safe for you all to do early recovery couples work and use empathy in that work to build more trust in the relationship. And I have Jen on the line right now. And, you know, we were talking about IRCAM, and Jen was saying that she really wants to get certified. However, I require that you have a certain number of couples. So, Jen, welcome so much to the show. So appreciate um, your determination to get to do this work. Tell me what you thought about IRCAM. I was really impressed with it. it. It feels like exactly what is needed for both um, individuals in, in a coupleship. So it's, it's going to help the partner to heal and to feel safe, and it's also going to address the addict's um, need to move into recovery and not fall into shame. Yeah, that is so true, and it is based on the premise that the addiction caused the problems, and now through the use of empathy and the tools that we are going to give couples, it is really going to allow the coupleship to grow and to begin to develop that trust again, utilizing so many of the exercises that I gave to my professionals. And I just so admire the fact that you really want to do this work, and so I wanted to have you on the show because you are looking for couples. And although we're not allowed to discuss price on the air, you have drastically cut your fee to acquire some couples that are willing to learn the IRCAM way. And so you are sure you want to do that, huh? Because you're, you're not only cutting your fee, but you're giving a 90-minute session. I mean, that's unheard of. I love that. So tell me a little bit about why you want to do this. Well, I feel it's really important work, and I work a lot with um, people who have gone through divorce, and I know that that is not the easy way out, despite what um, culture may um, say. And so if there's a, a couple that is willing to do the work to stay together, I really believe that there is hope for them, that they can come through this with, um, um, you know, post-traumatic growth, actually, and they, they, can, they can get through this, and they can be stronger um, maybe than they ever have been before, and, and I see such a value in it that um, if couples are willing, I want to be there and to provide um, support along the way. So, yeah, a 90-minute session, I think, will just allow us to really get into the meat of the work and to, to, to process through and learn the things that need to be learned to um, really help the couple relate to each other and feel safe and heal. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that you said to help them heal because that's the name of my new book that should be out in January, and we got to get you certified so you can be in the directory and so you can be um, in the book. So if anybody out there is interested in getting couples work at a reduced fee, Jen, how can they get a hold of you? They can reach me um, through my website. It's bytheriverconseling.com, and I can do um, 
in-person work for anybody that's in the greater Cincinnati area. I'm close to Dayton, Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky. And I can also um, work via telehealth for anybody anywhere in the state of Ohio uh, or anywhere in the state of Kentucky. So if that is you and you're looking for help, please reach out um, by the river counseling.com. Okay, and if you need more information about Jen and you want to contact me directly, um, you can always email me at carol at carolthecoach.com. Jen is an amazing therapist, and I want her to practice this work. So, Jen, thanks so much for calling in. You are giving an unbelievable rate for a 90-minute session, and she's got a whole procedure, a whole protocol to take you through every session that you come in. This work is never quick. It really isn't. Um, But it is so meaningful when you do it. And if you really want to restore the relationship, uh, together you can do that. So, Jen, I appreciate it. And I'll just wait to see how many referrals you get from the Midwest. I look forward to that. (laughs) You take care. Thanks so much, Carol. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. You know, we don't often do that on the air, but truly, Jen said, I need couples, and I work with individuals, and I said, we'll get you couples, because, you know, this is one of the oldest podcasts in the world. Um, it was the first podcast on sexual addiction to come out. Now there are amazing podcasts all over the place, but I'm glad that Lots of you started with me and you've stayed with me. We've got thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners. We're up to a million hits. Um, It makes my heart feel good that you're looking for psychoeducation about things that will help you get better. And that's why we have Maria Domgard on on the line right now because truly she has a whole protocol for helping addicts and partners heal too. And I'm doing it right now. I really, really, really believe in this work. So I asked Marie to come on the show and talk about mindfulness, especially for the addict and for the partner. So Marie, welcome so much to the show. It's so good to have you on, and um, you're really, really doing important work. Can you tell me how you got started in this work? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Carol. It's great to be on here, and an honor truly. Um, So I have been working with addictions and mental health for over 10 years now. Um, I was introduced to mindfulness as a way to work with um, addictive pathways and betrayal trauma uh, before it was a hot word and a buzzword. Um, I was trained in transpersonal psychology and trauma-informed care uh, through my graduate work, and that's where I stumbled across mindfulness and I learned a lot about Pat Ogden, Dr. Pat Ogden with Sensory Motor Psychotherapy, which is about the body and mindfulness and just the power of that in healing. Mm-hmm. I know. Pat Ogden is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the term mindfulness has garnered a lot of um, attention these days. It means so many things. Mm-hmm. How would you uh, clinically define mindfulness with the people that you uh, work with on a a regular basis? Sure. Um, I think a lot about Dr. Dan Siegel. I really uh, thoroughly enjoy him, and I often think about um, 
you know, he uses uh, John Kabat-Zinn's um, definition, which is about the awareness that emerges from paying attention, you know, on purpose to what's happening in the present moment in a non-judgmental way. And I do think it's a bit bigger than this in a way, right? You know, a lot of clients may come in and they may feel um, that they're not mindful or that they are mindful, but they're not embodied. There is this sense of, you know, thinking that they're able to focus and pay attention, but they kind of miss what's happening on the inside. They kind of miss a tune what's happening to their partner. Um, and so my specialty with working with mindfulness is a hope to sort of bring the body uh, into working as one coherent system so that they have an ability to make choices. Addiction and betrayal trauma don't really allow us to make a choice. And that's why mindfulness is such a, a lovely fruit to sort of work towards and be able to pick because a lot of clients report that, that that's, that's the byproduct of it. Yes, and I agree so much with the body keeping the score of the trauma that has happened. And, and I maintain that once an addict has been discovered, sure. if he's in a relationship with somebody and she's usually the one that has discovered it, Mm-hmm. he goes through a second set of trauma, and that is the trauma of knowing he put somebody through that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yes, addicts could be selfish. Yes, they could be self-absorbed. That's part of addiction. Yeah. But really, when they come face-to-face with the trauma and the drama that they have caused, um, they feel so bad. They go into that shame, uh, shame cycle that Jen was talking about earlier, and it's, it can feel overwhelming, and I know that mindfulness, at least since I've been working with it, really encourages people to pay attention to the body and also to be non-judgmental of themselves and to use self-compassion. And tell us a little bit about MBATT and TMAT. Sure. Okay. So TMAT is a a lovely um, certification program for uh, therapists. Um, So it's got three levels to it. First level, you come in for a weekend. We're taught by Josie Miles, Darren Ford, and the lovely uh, Mari Lee, all of which bring a lot of expertise and trauma-informed work and are very partner-conscious. Um, in terms of training therapists to work with this issue. Uh, So level one, you come in for a weekend, you learn a bit about mindfulness, they talk a lot about evidence-based practice, they give you some tools to use and some worksheets to try with yourself and clients. Uh, Level two is really self-directed, and they cover seven different domains of how mindfulness uh, can be used. So they take a look at sleep, they take a look at interpersonal relationships. Uh, I completed one on the body and physical activity, uh, pieces on nutrition and nourishment, um, relationship to money. Um, And Darren does a really, you know, he really challenged uh, and changed my way of, of understanding how an addictive process can be beneficial. Uh, because what addicts have is they come in understanding focus. It's just focused on the wrong, uh, mm-hmm. on the wrong sort of dynamic or process. Um, and so that's really cool. So you do some of your own self-study. You do about a handful and a half uh, of consultation hours of applying these to clients. And then you come in for level three. You hang out for a weekend, uh, and you're certified. And I think what's really cool about it is that you also build a community with that, right? There's other therapists that you connect with. If you're struggling, mindfulness isn't landing. 
you know, if you're you're trying to bring it in. Um, and I was going to talk about this later, but you mentioned it earlier. Your workbook, Carol, uh, is phenomenal. Um, it's mm -hmm. one that I have brought in early on with uh, partners' work, and it's such a lovely uh, book to bring in early to start bringing in mindfulness for partners and for addicts. So I just wanted to mention that as well. Well, thank you so much. You know, I I found that I didn't write it. My higher power wrote it, and it mm -hmm. really helped helped me to help them to help yeah. each other. And the new book that I'm writing is about them doing these exercises together. Right. And I believe that in partner betrayal, there's three phases. This is the APSAPS model, right? That you got to get them into safety and stabilization. That's where mindfulness is just absolutely crucial. Right. Um, learning those skills. And then that second phase is the grief, the mourning, the anger, the loss, the remembrance of what you had, what you thought you had, what you wanted to have, all that stuff. And you've got to do work around that stuff to be able to get over to post-traumatic growth, which is where we want our clients to be. Right. Now, mindfulness really helps people to stay in the moment and appreciate the serenity that they can generate with focus. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, and so being able to combine what I'm doing with mindfulness has just exponentially helped recovery for both of them. And I, and I know that you believe that mindfulness is really a tool that sex addicts can use to increase their recovery. So yes. Tell us how that works. I think that's a really good question, Carol. I mean, for me, addiction is a dissociative process. And what I mean by that is it's autopilot. People have very little choice, and it's a habitual response. Um, for mindfulness, you know, what I often share with clients and what I see is that it helps people develop the capacity to be with their experience, regulate negative aspects like shame, um, and be able to make a choice, right? Addiction does not allow choice. Um, and so what mindfulness does is it helps clients become clear about who they are, what they want out of life, and have the possibility of satisfaction, right? The toughest piece here is addiction is not satisfying, hence why the cycle keeps, you know, coming um, and, and so it, again, it's part of, you know, again, coming back to your workbook, and I know we'll chat more about couples in a bit, is that it is a nice way to use your workbook and also bring those tools in to help uh, someone with an addiction have an understanding of what's going on with their experience, but also be available to their partners. Mm -hmm. um, is it okay if I sort of keep going? Please. Okay. So when I think about, you know, talking about the power of mindfulness with um, addicts, I start to think about the power of mindfulness with betrayed partners. And again, for most partners, coming to terms with the fact that their partner or their marriage or their relationship is not what they thought it was is incredibly devastating, right? And mindfulness allows partners to make sense of their own behaviors that often do not feel like them after discovery, right? They may be going through emails. They may be, you know, searching records or looking for information, all of which are safety-seeking behaviors. And I have never heard a partner say, that feels good. I like doing this. The hours that I'm spending doing this right? They've mm -hmm. never heard that. So what mindfulness does is it also allows partners to make, make sense of their outer world while becoming more attuned to what's happening inside, which is incredible heartbreak and devastation and shame a lot of the time as well. 
Um, the thing is with mindfulness, it's a slow process, right? It invites partners to be with their trauma while increasing the capacity for well-being, um, and in turn creates resources to help them reorganize their experiences versus feeling reactive or powerless. And again, as you said, I think you spoke so eloquently to it, that it really is a key piece coming into that safety and stabilization um, at the beginning of the work. Well, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, we're talking partners and couples, but if you're out there and you aren't dealing with a relationship right now, you know, we're talking heterosexual, but we don't mean to. I mean, truly, it can be any kind of partnership. Mm-hmm. But, if, but if you're not in partnership with someone, this mindfulness can really help you to attend to what you need to do mm-hmm. to make changes in your life. And that's why, Marie, and I find it so very effective. Um, can you share a mindfulness technique that you give to an addict or a partner? Sure. So one of the things that I often start with, most times when clients come in to see us, it's usually after discovery, mm-hmm. right? So right. they're pretty elevated um, and out of their window of tolerance. One of the things that I often bring people back to is breath, right? We breathe whether we think about it or not. And one of the things that I get people to check out is can you follow your breath in? Where does your breath go to? Does it go to your throat, your chest, your belly, or your pelvis? In this anxious state, in the depressed state, in this worried state, where does that breath go? And we just slow it down and notice, right? And most partners will talk about this feeling in their heart. Addicts will talk about how they have this pain in their gut. And I say, okay, let's try something here. Let's try an experiment. And they'll say, you know, they'll roll their eyes every time. I'll just humor me. Let's try it. And what I'll do is I'll get them to take their hand and I'll get them to tend to and care for that spot just to put some pressure there to let that somatic, you know, sensation be taken care of. And what's really interesting is when I get them to sort of follow their breath and they can take a bit more air. They're not catching their breath all of the time. And that becomes a resource for them to come back to, whether they're standing at the sink doing dishes, walking through the grocery store, starting to feel triggered, sitting in their car, at their child's basketball game, you know, something that no one would even notice, that they're sort of just trying to find a way to catch their breath and be with what's happening versus totally avoiding it. And that becomes a start, right, depending on how dissociative clients are when they come in, that Our breath is always there. We don't have to work hard for it. It's just more of it can then be a gauge of how triggered we are and what we need to do to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And you know, Marie, that one of the things that we learned um, as CSATs is that the butterfly tap, Mm -hmm. being able to put our arms around ourselves and then tap simultaneously is a natural... um, it's bilateral stimulation for that oxytocin, right? It just tends to give a bit of a release for that so that people aren't in that cortisol-driven state of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when I talk about their breathing, and I do the same thing you do, I ask them, where is it? And then I have them put the hand, their hand, mm-hmm. on that part of their body. Mm-hmm. It's also another way to nurture yourself as you are taking deep breaths in and breathing sure. out while you're simultaneously reminding yourself that there are some things you can 
can control when it feels like everything is out of control. Absolutely. It provides choice and it provides options, things that tend to go out the window when we're really triggered. Well, and you said earlier even a couple of times that when you're in addiction, you don't have a choice. And that's what I'm always wanting the partner to understand, that until they're discovered, Mm-hmm. They don't have a choice because they're not able to pull themselves out of the addiction to get the help they need. Right. But once they get the help they need and once they realize the resources out there, no matter how strong the addiction, they have the choice. And they can always utilize something that will prevent them from slipping and sliding and relapsing. Totally. I mean, I think this, you know, I was really lucky early on in my career. I ended up getting a lot of calls from men and women who were chronically relapsing for 30-plus years. They had been through all sorts of treatment, very good treatment, that I think helped them to top down. And they couldn't figure out how they were still relapsing, and they didn't want to keep doing worksheets because something was missing in that work, you know, that far along in recovery. And what I discovered in doing this mindfulness work is that people who had been chronically relapsing for decades started to actually find a resource that could help them slow down. They could feel that feeling coming on. They could do that weird thing that Marie asked them to do. And all of a sudden they could sit back in their chair and they didn't impulsively or compulsively go into the behavior. They could then go home and say to their, you know, partner, wow, I tried that weird thing Marie showed me, and I didn't go into that behavior when I was triggered in that story like I have, and that was weird, Mm -hmm. you know, but exciting in a sense, because maybe they didn't feel so stuck or attached to a behavior that didn't feel like them in the first place, and so, again, I think mindfulness is so exciting for people who are new to recovery, but I do think about people who have been in recovery for a long time. It's often a tool that's missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very, very good point, and you've been practicing this type of mindfulness for how long? About 10 to 15 years. Yeah, because you certainly have built with many, many, many of the masters the different aspects of mindfulness. Totally. So if you were going to talk to therapists and coaches, and we have both of them listening on the call, I know this Mm -hmm. because they send me emails afterwards, what would you advise them to do? Um, I, you know, I love chatting with clinicians and coaches um, about mindfulness work. I think what's really cool and attractive about this work is that it's something that you can use right at the beginning, or you can just start infusing it with clients that you've been seeing for a few years. Um, what, to me, what's also infectious about this work is that it can help stabilize people that you've struggled to stabilize for so long. Um, and can help them uh, get returned to a place of who they are, even if they're dysregulated and triggered. Um, I think part of the other piece is is that, uh, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, a lot of us therapists and coaches, we're in a parallel process with a lot of our clients. Um, And the one thing I know about most clinicians and coaches is that there is an innate drive to learn and grow. That's part of why we're in the work that we do uh-huh. and, and do the CEUs that we do and, you know, all of these things. Um, it's challenging. It's rewarding. It grows. It moves. And this is some of the personal growth that people can receive from this along with the professional um, aspects of it as well, you know. And I think what's really also exciting, and again, I use your workbook as an example, is that it's 
starts to really anchor some of the knowledge that is written in those worksheets or workbooks to help people have an embodied felt understanding of it. Um, and that's what we're looking for in ourselves and, and usually our clients. So it's, it's exciting. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you were speaking earlier about the top-down top process. I'm going to say process, as she says it. Are you from Canada? Yeah, can you say that's what everyone says. Americans say I say it wrong. Oh, process is what you guys say. No, I love process. There's there's just something very romantic about that. (laughs) Um, But some of our listeners may not know what that means. So can you share the top-down versus bottom-up theory behind what we need? Yeah, top-down is a lot about, like, cognitive behavioral work. It's about sort of revisiting some of our thoughts, that our thoughts impact our behavior, and therefore, if we interrupt or reframe our thoughts, that we'll behave differently. And I think part of that's true. However, what we're missing, and I think, you know, I think Bethel van der Kolk, Dr. Katiakis, um, you know, Mari Lee, Pat Ogden, Peter Levine, all of them trailblazers have really brought to light that, a bottom-up process of really working with the body, right? There is a lot of knowledge coming out of interpersonal neurobiology, affective neuroscience, that there, you know, we store trauma in our body. We can't mm-hmm. just work with it in our mind. If we could, we would think our way out of it. A lot of people are really smart. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing for me, like, I, the one example that I think partners and addicts can resonate with is shame. Mm-hmm. You could think your way out of shame, you would. Shame feels like shit. I'm mm-hmm. just, you know, putting that out there. You know, I don't know if you heard her clearly. She says, shame feels like shit. Continue. (laughs) And I think part of a bottom-up process is actually working through some of that trauma residue, you know, and whether it's from cultural messages, family of origin, uh, single traumatic events, multiple traumatic events, that stuff gets stored inside. And I don't know that worksheets and reframing our thoughts get to it. And this is why I think mindfulness of being able to sort of be present with ourselves, what's happening inside, what's happening outside of ourselves, allows for an opportunity to process that through. Um, And that's why I'm pretty uh, biased around using the body with this work. I've seen lots of opportunities for change for people. Yes, absolutely. And we have learned that many, many different types of interventions are helpful But the the ones that deal with how you breathe and how you feel and where you feel it are more apt to create the changes that you need to not be held hostage by triggers and urges and cravings. You know, in my writing this morning, Mm -hmm. I was telling the couple in the book that um, triggers are sensory, they're internal, they're external, mm-hmm. and I, I likened it to the fact that um, triggers can be conscious. I'm hungry, I'm going to go eat that piece of chocolate cake, mm-hmm. or they can be subconscious. You want to eat that chocolate cake, but you have some discipline not to, and then your boss calls and gives you an extra project, and while you're talking, you're out going to the kitchen to grab the cake. That's, that's a subconscious response. It comes out and becomes conscious. Mm-hmm. And for me, when the body keeps the score and when 
you have experienced something on a cellular level that has made changes in the kindling response of your neurons, mm-hmm. you can't even fathom what's really going on for you, and you tend to lock it in the body. And mindfulness creates that safety to release that because you're able and it does feel safe enough. And I I remember as a hypnotherapist that people who had been raped and who had been through violent crimes would come in and say, can you give me amnesia so that I don't remember things? And I'd say, I would love to, and no, I can't. Mm-hmm. Or they would say the opposite. They'd say, can you take me back to that memory so that I can identify the person who did that to me? Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know what? We are messing with nature and we're messing with you and you're not ready to remember yet. Mm-hmm. Your brain is protective. Your body is protective. Mm-hmm. And that conscious part of the brain really protects you from things that you're not able to handle right now. And so, no, I... I can't allow but well, I can't facilitate um, you going back to that event and remembering it because I would be defying what your body wants for you right now. But these kinds of exercises, this uh, bottom-up philosophy, this mindfulness really allows the body to make the choice of what's yeah. next. And I think to build on what you're describing, you know, I think about mindfulness and couples work, Carol, and I, I think you know this because you've been doing this a long time. I followed you when I first started my CSAP, so oh, wow. excited to be here. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, working with couples, you know, I learned to realize that a lot of them don't know how to co-regulate with one another. They don't know how to be with one another. They don't know how to read one another, or they don't know how to check in with what they're seeing. Um, and I think what mindfulness does is it creates um, a foundation for couples that has compassion and care and dignity and respect. And it also comes with radical honesty. Um, and, you know, learning to be mindful allows us to sort of hold the impact of receiving that, you know, an ability to know how we want to communicate. And I'm not just talking about sex and intimacy. I'm talking about fears, hopes, needs, wants, desires. You know, people want to be seen they want to learn about how to, you know, not rupture with their partner. They want to learn how to repair, and they want to, they want to know how to be in a healthy relationship. And mindfulness allows for a sense of flexibility and uniqueness within the coupleship. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I love about it. It's not trying to tell people you've got to fit into this model. It is like, let's figure out what's working out for both of you, but let's be mindful about it so that even when you get triggered, when your partner shares a piece of feedback with you, that you can hold that, but also be mindful about how you communicate about it and hearing and receiving your partner's needs uh-huh. and negotiate, right? Yeah, because we all know that compromise and negotiation is one of the most important skills for couples to learn. Mm-hmm. However, when there's been this huge betrayal, yeah, I find that the addicts don't even want to go there because they go, I don't deserve to expect okay. her to compromise on anything. I, I just want to be there for her. And that's that's okay for the yeah. beginning stages Absolutely. after discovery. But eventually, as you become safer, as you see that he or she is doing their work, you have to begin to move into the trust. And that trust starts with oneself first. 
And mm-hmm. then that co-regulation of each other helping the other person to co-regulate. You know, so many partners are so good at this IRCM mm-hmm. because they see what work their husband is doing mm-hmm. and they now want him to let go of his shame and they mm-hmm. want him to release all the negativity he has about himself and the damage he's done mm-hmm. and they are more than willing to help that and you know help her heal is exactly the opposite it's about him being there for her and doing whatever it takes to mm-hmm. help her to heal so mm-hmm. it is a beautiful marriage of two people wanting to get through this together so that they can get to post-traumatic growth, which of course means then they can give back and find some sort of meaning and purpose out of this horrendous ordeal. Yeah, yeah, and I think your workbook is a lovely start. Darren Ford, of course, I've got, you know, 500 books here, so I can't find his workbook, but he's got a lovely... Oh, The Addictive Mind. Yes, I mean, that is a wonderful workbook for people who struggle with addictions, you know, and I think using that along with yours uh, with partners has been very successful in terms of helping both parties see each other and understand what each other's work is and and be able to communicate about it. Yes, and for our listeners who have never heard that name or, you know, may not know him as intimately as we do, Marie, Mm -hmm. Uh, Darren Ford is the publisher of Sano Press, which published my book, Help Her Heal. And he's got, I think, uh, three books now. I know he's got The Addictive Mind, and he's got the other one that's really an autobiography with, uh, along with meditative exercises. I told him this one's deep. I mean, sometimes I have to reread a page like four times. And, And he says, if it takes you a year, to read that page and understand it. it. That's exactly where you need to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And so he's a genius, and he is a gentle spirit, and he is also the creator of this mindfulness-based certification training program for counselors. And uh, I'll tell you a little secret. He'd like me to develop something for coaches. So we got big things ahead of us at some time, you know, the truth of the matter is the blessing about coaches is that they can work with anybody anywhere in the world. Yeah. And they're not required to stay within state lines. And so I've always felt like it gave me extra opportunities to help people because I could just put my coaching hat on, which is different than your therapy hat. It actually is. It's a very different role. I I think what's exciting, right, I mean, Darren um, has just been fabulous to work with. He's just has such a creative mind and insightful. And I think he has done a really marvelous way of finding a way to talk about mindfulness and the addictive pathway in a non-shaming, invitational way and also to help partners understand it. I think what's really cool, too, is Mari Lee, right, powerhouse of understanding partner betrayal trauma and and how to make sense of it. To have both of those forces combined to be uh, with this certification is wonderful. And, again, as I said, Carol, I use your book quite a bit, too. So it's, it's just, you know, it's nice to have the pieces of the whole puzzle to sort of be available here rather than just focusing on one side only and have the other side feeling left out. Mm-hmm. And Mari is one of those telehealth coaches that works with people um, yeah. 
all over the world. Um, and so the Mindfulness Center is located, I know it's located in California, but what city? That's a good question. I'm not sure, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I want to say, I don't know why it's escaping me, but so you work virtually. You don't work at the Mindful Center. No, I work, I'm up in Canada. Um, so I don't work down there. Uh, I work up in Canada. Uh, I do work virtually. Um, I do a lot of consulting with therapists around case consultation of compulsive sexual behavior and mindfulness. That's sort of where I, where I uh, am able to support a lot of Americans. Uh, and, um, you know, Mari does a really wonderful job of the coaches piece and good to hear that he scooped you up for something more to be developed here. So the resources are coming. It's just trying to find the time to get it all created. Right. And so if people want to work with you or want to consult with you, let them know about your website and your email address. Sure. So my website is Relate and Recover Counseling with two L's because we spell differently in Canada. I saw that. uh, .ca. Uh, and then my email is relate and recover counseling at gmail.com. And uh, happy to be of support. Uh, you know, I often talk a lot about how mindfulness saved my life, and uh, it's changed my life. It's changed how I lived, uh, what I deem as meaningful, and the ability to be present with myself, others, in the world. And, um, you know, I think, and I think you spoke about this earlier, but what I love about mindfulness is there's this choice, you know. I've got this choice if I want to go for a walk and talk to the trees or I could eat a whole bag of M&M's, you know. There's nothing bad in terms of choice when we are from a mindful place. It's an ability to make a decision and if I'm struggling, an ability to reach out for support if needed. Hmm. Well, you've sold me on the fact that I've got to get to that level three and unfortunately I'm going to be training for APSAP the next oh, weekend. Next so, time, Carol, next time. I know, but like you said, I was with a whole group of people that I had bonded with, so I'm going to have to bond again with a new group and it's right. all good and I always say, everything happens for a reason, so really take it on and enjoy it and Marie, I am so happy that I've gotten this time with you. Now, tell me, I, I said Dom I said Domgard, but is it Damgard? Yeah, Domgard is fine. Damgard is fine. Yeah, I respond to all, Carol. It's all good. <laughs> but what, how do you say your last name? Oh, it's Damgard. Damgard. And I always say, like, you're swearing. That's what I tell you. <laughs> like you're swearing. Damgard. I have that feeling. You saw how she gave me all sorts of permission to mispronounce it. Damn, Garth, but I'll remember because I think you're the first person that's ever said the S word on the air. Oh, goodness. Have you ever listened to Brene Brown's podcast? I do. Yeah, well, I then do. you know she uses the F word 12 times at yeah. every... Yeah, and that's how I roll, Carol, but I was like, I'm going to be on my best behavior <laughs> my first time being on here. Next time, we'll see where this goes. Well, I, I appreciate that you thought you were going to do that. I suspect that you did do that, and you can be as real as you are. So I yeah. hope if anybody has any questions that they will go to her website. Again, that's www.relateandrecovercounseling with two L's dot ca for canada right yeah okay or you can email her at relate recover counseling at gmail.com you betcha 
All right, Marie. Anything else you want to add before we close up the show? No, I just wanted to say thank you for having me. And uh, my hope is just that um, people were able to take something that was useful and, and spark a bit of hope because there is that for sure. Okay. And um, my hope is that you'll spread the word about IRCAM. Now, mm-hmm. I know you're not going to remember what it stands for. So I'm going to tell you one more time, as well as my listening audience, because this is a term I want everybody to buzz about, and that is Early Recovery Couples Empathy Model. It combines help her heal with early recovery couples' work to help her feel safe, to help them co-regulate, and to get through the three phases of partner betrayal. Thank you, Marie. I'll give you a quiz the next time we talk. Yeah, sounds good. All the best, Carol. And I hope your water heater gets fixed. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye, Carol. Bye-bye. So, again, a delightful woman um, who knows her stuff. And uh, if you're a therapist or coach listening, she'd be a great asset to supervision. And um, if you are a client, I think you could hear that there is a lot of um, power and meaning in mindfulness. So it's good to be back with you. I'm not sitting in the car doing the podcast today. Everybody has left me. I'm alone in Florida for a couple of weeks. And as I say at the end of every show, there will only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. We'll see you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.